And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. folks welcome into on to waveland it's the cubs podcast here at the athletic i am brett taylor joined by sahadev sharma and patrick mooney it's the second half the second half is here we survived the first half of the season all-star break uh and the cubs are still relevant i would say you know if that's your threshold i think you could uh describe the first half as as a limited success in that respect um but we'll get into what the second half it could look like, needs to look like, etc. Um, and uh, before that, just wanted to note, you know, because in the interim uh, between our, our last episode and this one, the Cubs took that series uh, from the Yankees in New York, which was nice, including their literal first win ever in New York over the Yankees. I, I don't know how that wasn't more on my radar before that Friday win that they had literally never beat the Yankees in New York uh, in history. But uh, that was that was cool. Um, and then, of course, the draft took place and we can offer you some thoughts, although I will probably mostly point to uh, what side of your piece was it this morning that that went up or maybe yesterday. It was nice. uh look at the class of the like a review of the position players yeah that was this morning um and uh then there was the all-star game and its festivities i thought the the home run derby was pretty sweet it's a good one this year i do love that very much and in the all-star game itself national league won for the first time in 147 years pretty incredible that they finally pulled that out uh thanks primarily to Justin Steele's scoreless inning that he pitched. I don't think they I don't think they win that without him. So, um, you know, he, he would have gotten my MVP vote. So there's there's my like 10,000 foot view catch up from where we were from last pod. Do you guys have anything you want to slide in on any of those topics before we get into second half stuff? I don't think so. Let's just get right into it. You got nothing. You got no. Wait a minute. I wasn't. I know. I. I know. I was like, we're gonna just talk about the second half, but nothing at all on like the home run derby. Well, you got to give me. Something. Oh no, I definitely don't have anything on the home run derby because I was at my son's baseball game for that, so I missed it. Uh, I was uh, out with Patrick uh, and some other people during the All Star game, so it was on in the background, and we we saw Justin Steele's one inning. It was quite captivating, and I agree. MVP, I don't know how we missed, how the rest of the league missed that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I will say, like, I think the draft is interesting just because uh, 
the, like the Matt Shaw pick is one of those. It, it's kind of it feels different than feels significantly different than Cade Horton, right? Like this, like wh- when I talk to people about the Cade Horton pick, I got a lot of mixed reviews, and the kindest thing I got outside the org was like, "It's an upside play. They're taking a big risk, but this is they they must really trust their pitching development because." This is a big risk. This guy wasn't on, you know, you know, there were there were some pretty, you know, much safer picks uh, rather than going with this guy, which I think you can say similar. I got similar reaction to their second round pick, uh, actually significantly uh, less down. uh, I mean, more down on on that pick than uh, than Kane Kate Horton. This one, everyone loved the pick. I think this guy, I think. Maybe the obvious comp, like since it's so close, is like Nico Horner with power, right? Uh, and I think that's you know we're getting a lot of stuff on the makeup, getting a lot of stuff on the power. Questions about the arm. Someone made a great point to me. They're like, I mean, Dansby Swanson doesn't have this plus arm. Nico Horner didn't have this plus arm. So often, we, whenever we question whether a guy can stick it short, we just say no, he can't. That's the default. Like, it, yeah, I, I think it's there are legitimate questions, but you know, hey, uh, let it. Let's see where it plays out. Live, how it plays out. We live in a world where Nick Madrigal has become a plus right. defensive third baseman. I say anything is possible. I know that that was my immediate like I. I I think I asked that to every scout. Well, does he have a better arm than Nick Madrigal? Okay. Well, he can play third base for the Cubs, okay? <laughs> I don't like there were some commenters on our site, you know, asking like, you know, what the position's going to be and you know, Shaw says he can play the outfield and bounce around and Dan Kandrovitz, the VP of scouting, was saying, you know, how second, third, and short are all viable options. And, and I think this is just one of those things where, especially this after watching this year, of just letting it play out. Like, Christopher Morell's been in the organization for, like, how many years? And he doesn't have a single position yet. And Ian Happ bounced around for years until he became a gold glove left fielder. And, you know, the Cubs drafted Nico Horner, and you know, they said he could stick at shortstop, but I don't think anyone, like, was truly banking on that and you know then he answered the question that he could do it at a very high level in the major leagues and the Cubs signed an even better shortstop so uh to me it just felt I'm sure to you guys as well just very similar of like okay college hitter like played in the Cape Cod League and raked there uh you know seems like a pretty mature uh intelligent young man like Okay, that makes sense. Like the Cade, Cade Horton and Jackson Wiggins, like a guy who didn't pitch this year and had a six ERA in the two seasons he did pitch. Like, okay, we'll see what happens. I, I, mean, I do wonder, you know, if there's if the Cubs are a little too confident in their pitching infrastructure just in general, not just that pick, but in the major leagues and kind of up and down the system. But that's kind of a, a story and a podcast for another day. Yeah, as I understood it, the Cubs had to select Jackson Wiggins in the second round because they now only select players named Jackson in the second round. Um, Jackson <laughs> oh, Ferris, of course, being the second rounder the year before. There's your nerd joke for the pod. Uh, yeah, I thought there were, other than Wiggins specifically, I thought there were a lot of picks that you would describe as sort of chalk in terms of be- being like, that. look, 
anybody other than like the super in the weeds draft people who pretend like, oh yeah, I know that guy, and oh yeah, that was a good pick at this spot, and all. We don't know shit. Come on, like there's there's thousand draft prospects. We just don't know other than the guys at the very top, and so you're sort of relying on outside evaluation and rankings and these kinds of things. And in years past, including just very recent years in the Kantrovitz era, um, you, you could sort of see a lot of what the Cubs were doing to try to maximize the total return by sort of playing with the bonus pool slots and, you know, making this happen. I didn't immediately see a lot of that this year. We'll see when some of the signings come out, um, but you could detect it a little bit on the day three picks, which are sort of the free picks because they don't um, count against the bonus pool if you don't go over 150000 So you sort of usually see some really big swings. Cubs didn't necessarily have as many of those this year. Really, it was just like a lot of guys that seemed like they just liked and want to get in the system. Um, a lot of power taken, a lot of raw power in this draft. Um, a lot of um, just a lot more position players than last year. And it's not necessarily reflective of anything other than the talent being there that you want to pick when it's up for you to pick. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that, it, and I noticed this not just for me, but for other sort of nerdy Cubs draft evaluators within the Cubs fan community, it, figuring out that sort of harmonizing principle for this year's draft was a little difficult in, immediately, which is neither good nor bad. I just thought it was interesting because usually we, we've got a narrative we can pluck out and say, ah, this was what this was about. And this year it just seemed like, nope, just a lot of guys that they just liked. And that's that. And you, 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 unfortunately the nature of the draft is we can't really evaluate it for another three or four or five years. Um, but for now, seems like the Cubs are happy with what they got. And I certainly will be interested to follow these prospects for the years ahead. Uh, but that's kind of where we got to leave it. Um, so, okay. Second half. Uh, second half of the pod, second half of the season, uh, the Cubs are, uh, you know, within, I don't know. I'm trying to think if you, if you leave the schedule aside and you leave, in fact, leave all context aside and just look at where the Cubs are in the standings, look at where they are in relation to 500. We've seen teams come back from this and go to the playoffs. We've seen, in fact, we see it pretty much every year about this distance. There's some team that, that turns it on and does it. Um, so from that very superficial layer, the Cubs are absolutely in this race. Um, and then I think is, is where you leave that to turn to the context of this is a team that's probably better than its record. Uh, but it's a team that isn't obviously the class of the division. That, that isn't the case. Um, you know, they're trailing among other things, a very hot young Reds team that may not cool down from here. Um, they are trailing a polished Brewers team that has just generally been able to put together mid eighties to upper eighties win seasons with whatever they have. Um, and then, uh, the, the wildcard crowd includes some teams like the Mets and Padres who are trailing right now, but who are on paper loaded and have all the incentive in the world to be really aggressive from here. So it's not a super rosy picture for the Cubs. And I don't think any one would at this moment bet on them to definitely make the playoffs, let alone to definitely not sell at the deadline in these weeks ahead. But that is the question for now. Um, it's almost not prudent to talk about like an end of season record right now because everything hinges uh, on the next three weeks. And it's going to come down to what approach the Cubs can justify 
at the deadline. And that in turn comes down to what is on paper, a really friendly schedule uh, up to the deadline. I mean, it is the Cubs have not had a stretch like this uh, so far this year where you look at every single series. I mean, maybe this Red Sox series is the, is the toughest one, but it's at Wrigley Um, and the Cubs will be without Dansby Swanson. So that's a factor, but every series between now and the break is very winnable. Um, and there's more home than road. There's eight against a Cardinals team that has has just declared themselves sellers. So I think there's a lot in the Cubs' favor that even as they trail in the division in a, a substantial measure, this is the time to turn it on. If they can't come back now in these weeks ahead, then they should sell. Yeah, no, I agree with that last statement, absolutely. Uh, if you look at teams that are underperforming uh, – uh, record-wise compared to you know what the numbers say they should be it's like the Cubs Padres Twins Mariners are up there right like the, those are teams that uh, you could see having better second halves or start like uh, you know uh, emerging as okay the, these teams should be better I, I that doesn't always work out that way right I wouldn't put the the Mets just seem like a mess right now I, there's no statistics that really say numbers that say the Mets should be a better team um, my question. So I think it'll be interesting going forward to see which in the National League, which of the Cubs and the Padres emerge, because I think if you asked which team has the more stable clubhouse, which team, uh, you know, has is a tighter group. I, I like. I don't think anybody would say the Padres. Uh, like the national narrative there is like these guys don't really like each other and don't really like it's not like it was just a bunch of stars put together and it's like wow this is a super team and it's like oh maybe there's more to it than just like it's a fascinating like mishmashing all this talent together it's a fascinating case Um, study for that concept that we don't absolutely we don't think about as much in baseball as the other sports no it's uh i mean I, I think it. I absolutely agree that it's it's kind of fascinating, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. That's not to say that I think the Cubs, because they're uh, they have a bunch of good makeup guys and they're a tight clubhouse, that they're going to turn things around and run away with things in the second half. I do think, and I've been saying this and writing this a lot. I just think they're a better team than what their record shows. Ultimately, they have to they have to show that on the field. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of uh, you know blather, and it doesn't matter. Uh, it's it's out there in front of them. I, I there's a, I mean you said it all right there, uh, Brett. Like if they if they can get get their shit together and and start winning some games here, stack up series wins, and I think they need to, you know, you you'd like them to win the the Red Sox series, right? But they need to sweep a few of the the other series. Like they they can't uh, like a they need to do another one of those eleven and two runs type thing before the break. Uh, better than that, really. What did we see from the from the Reds? Like twenty five and five, or something crazy, right? Like a like a, a stretch that you see that it takes for a team to kind of pull away and win a division. Um, yes, the Cardinals look like sellers. How big of sellers? Or not look like they're you know Mazzelia came out and said they're sellers. Uh, I, I think the question is do, like, are they selling Nolan Arenado? Is Goldschmidt on on the on the block? If that happens, then we're talking about a team that the Cubs should be beating up on. I think not enough people uh, kind of realize like how trade deadlines kind of shift the way your schedule looks. Uh, 
if you have a bunch of sellers on your schedule in the second half, you have this huge advantage in in certain years. Uh, I think the Cubs. Uh, I'm not sure if we talked about this on the podcast or if I was talking about this with other writers, but the Cubs weren't a 97 win team in 2015. Uh, okay, so that that's one of those situations. So, you know. You, they have to take advantage of these things. If the Cardinals start moving guys in the next week, that means they're going to they're, they're going to take advantage of a weaker. They should be able to take advantage of a weaker Cardinals team. Uh, I can't remember who else is on the schedule beyond that. Washington. I mean, they don't really have much to sell, right? They should just beat up on them. They should, they can't. They certainly can't lose a series to them like they did back in May. So yeah, this is. I mean, this will tell us uh, a lot. I think the injuries are pretty key. I think uh, you have to hope that Swanson's is uh, is something that he comes off uh, at the minimum, which I believe would be Sunday. Um, and you know we'll 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 get a status update on Madrigal, but I think you know we just kind of we'll just see with that one. Uh, I'm curious to see how Stroman comes out out of the gate. I think that's a big thing for me. Uh, he looked tired in his final few starts. Uh, there was the blister, obviously. I think this rest will be big for him, but I want to see it. I want to see him come out and look like the guy he was for the first, what, like 15 starts. He's got 19 starts. Uh, and he, like, let's see if he can be that guy, uh, if this little reset helps him, because I think that's a big key, because I think we have some question marks with the Cubs in the back of that rotation, obviously, and I think Smiley's a huge question mark going forward. So we'll just we'll, we'll see how the rest of them go, but uh, Steele and Stroman at the top they they have to keep keep going, uh, and they can't take too far. Like you can't expect them to be Cy Young the entire way going forward, but they can't take big steps back. They just can't. Cubs can't afford that. I mean, this stretch here is probably the most. It's got to be the most interesting set of games in like a little over two years, right? I mean, and I, it's the middle of July. Like I don't want to hear about how hard the Cubs work and how great the uh, spirit is in the clubhouse. Like it's hilarious to me because you, when the Cubs were winning 95 games and they were running off Joe Madden and saying how like, you know, the clubhouse, uh, you know, professionalism and work ethic wasn't quite there, but they were making the playoffs year after year after year. And that some of that stuff that the players and the manager and the coaching staff have echoed, like it's just going to ring super hollow. Like if they fall on their face in this stretch here, leading into the trade deadline, like this is a very, very low bar that uh, the organization is asking them to, to clear. I mean, to basically, because I think we all agree, they don't even have to be at 500. They just have to be you know, closer than where they are now. And if you could just present a credible, viable case to keep Marcus Stroman. And I think that's kind of the key piece here. And I think you're exactly right, Sahada. If he kind of came across as someone who really needed that mental reset and needed a break and that, uh, that would be a very Cubs like thing to keep him at the trade deadline. And then he kind of runs out of gas, like in August, uh, in September, but, um, Dev, I'd imagine it's going to be great atmosphere at Wrigley this weekend. Obviously, the Red Sox Cubs series used to be like, you know, circled on the calendar as, you know, Super Bowls and all these great subplots between John Lester and Theo Epstein and things like that. It's not really like that uh, anymore, but um, this is the 
the time they ha- just have to go out and prove it. Like, I, I think we're all a little tired of kind of talking about this. Like, Jed's going to be patient. The team's better than, you know, the numbers suggest the team's better than the record. Like, we've been we've been on kind of repeat here, and you know, and t- it'll be really fun to see, you know, whether or not they actually do it. Well, yeah, because eventually that stuff just doesn't matter. You know, it's it's within two to two and a half weeks. None of that matters. Um, I mean, we'll still talk about it from an analytical perspective, but it's not going to guide anything in terms of decision making if the Cubs haven't actually put together enough wins to do that. I'm reminded of now the circumstances are very different, but I'm reminded of I think it was the 2017 break. Uh, the Cubs having acquired Jose Quintana just before the break. Is that right? And then they came out crazy hot. Uh, and and it was at that time, there had been a little bit of discussion that Theo, I think, admitted either before or after that they had started to contemplate, okay, what would selling look like this year? Um, you know, would they have, it, it was um, Wade Davis was, was there. And so, I mean, they had some, uh, Jake Arrieta was uh, on an expiring deal. They had pieces and I think they, they didn't, weren't laying any groundwork, but I think that that they had started to contemplate that, but then came out of the gate crazy hot, won a bunch of games in a row, and um, that made the decision for them, made it easy. Now, that was a team that was much more highly regarded than this year's team and was already in a much better place than this year's team, um, but division is worse this year, and if the Cubs go get hot and win, I think it, it does the same thing in terms of making the buy-sell decision. Uh, it. it puts a stamp on it you know if the cubs come out of the gate and win nine of ten done i think they're i think they they start making the plans you know to buy pretty clearly and so i'm sure they're hoping internally that that happens because it'll make their ability to focus on a particular structure of of deal types easier and maybe even more successful because you, you there's only so many hours in the day there's only so many bodies in the field to figure out how to you know uh address things the right way and make successful trades on one side or the other. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, I wanted to note uh, Friday's game from last week, the Jameson Tyone start, which we did not have a chance to talk about. Um, obviously, his best start as a Cub, nothing even remotely close to that outing. And, you know, I I enjoyed it. He certainly pitched very well. I think he the results were maybe a little fortuitous compared to his actual performance but of course we've been waiting for that this whole time because his results 
you know, he hasn't pitched well, but his results have been worse than he's actually pitched, you know. And I know nobody nobody likes to hear that. Boy, there's just nothing that makes people more annoyed than when you're like, <laughs> you're, you're trying to get across the idea that, yes, he has been bad. And also on top of that, he's been unlucky. They just hate that so much. Um, well, maybe this will make it easier for you to swallow. I'm saying in his last start, yes, he pitched reasonably well and also he was lucky on top of it okay see i'm an equal opportunity i'm just telling it you know like it is um he said as much as well by yeah the way. i think he said he, you know he said that yeah and so and he's I, like but i'll take it i needed that yeah basically. well <laughs> i think that helps i think that it it probably supplies a little more confidence in whatever you've been working on between starts that in theory you and the coaching staff are choosing the right things to work on. So if a, an out, a positive outcome gives you confidence that like, okay, this is working that can actually positively impact your performance thereafter that. And that in turn reminded me, uh, was it you Sahad, or was it you Patrick great piece on Cody Bellinger? There was a little section about how, yes, he had been getting very lucky in a lot of his hits post injury was you Sahad, Um, but that he was a guy who that helps him, you know, his hits are falling. So he doesn't tinker. So he sticks with what he's been trying to do. And then results come organically. And I loved hearing that because it was not some, it's something we think about, but don't always hear about some players that, um, you, you hate the idea. We always, we always think about it in the reverse where a guy is not getting results, but feels like he's doing all the right things and balls are just finding gloves and then he starts to tinker and he wrecks the very thing that he was supposed to be doing. And so um, I loved hearing that about Bellinger, especially because we talked about this on the pod before, that he was having results post-injury, but he wasn't really hitting the ball hard. He wasn't elevating. He wasn't slugging. None of these things. But it was like, just stick with it because that comes back later. And sure enough, it was like right after we said it, he started ripping some extra base hits and a um, couple home runs. So that too, I think, is a even though you didn't feel it in the results that felt like a, as, as a good turning point for him and the Cubs um, did a say by the way, I could say all, a lot of what I just said, I could say about say Suzuki actually. Yeah. I mean, isn't this what we're talking about? What we've, we've been talking about since the off season, like they need power. They need someone to step up and emerge as a star. And who were the candidates? It was basically someone outside the organization that we, we don't know about right now, or, Saya or Bellinger, right? Like those were the options. And then someone like Kevin Alcantara emerging and becoming this, you know, uh, 20 year old superstar that sometimes happens, but it just didn't happen this, this summer. Right. I'm just saying like they needed something, something, some sort of surprise or development. Uh, Bellinger and Saya are the two candidates. I listen, I, I don't know what's up with Saya. Uh, like he's he's hard to read. He's not super open with us as far as his process and what works for him, what isn't. Uh, I I asked him, like, what's the difference between when you're hitting the ball on the ground and, and hitting the ball in the air? Is there anything you can pinpoint or anything you you, you work on? I don't know. So, you know, that's the response we get. I, I don't he's he's kind of closed off with us. So it's really hard for me to break down. Like, is this something that he can figure out or not? Um, I, I It's it's hard to say. Like, he's clearly got the tools to be an impact bat. Uh, it's easier with Bellinger, even though he's not someone that's going to break down everything with you. He I, I think 
For him, it's more like, I don't want to get into the details here because that's not how my brain really works. And it's not it, it, like when I start thinking about every little thing is when when I start going sideways. Uh, but it, it's clear that we've, we've seen him be that guy, right? We've seen him with the Dodgers be that guy. We saw it for a month in April. Uh, it, it tailed off for about a week, really, uh, in May. And then, and then he got hurt. And I think... I. I really think like the Cubs fans and the Cubs have to hope that isn't too little too late with him because he's what they need to make a difference in the lineup. Left-handed power, sending that into the seats more often, especially with men on base, completely changes everything. I mean, the, just think about we, we don't need to relive uh, Brett's pain, but uh, Thursday uh that that game against the Brewers, like he got them back in it, right? Like it, it felt over. Was that the game? Am I thinking of this right? Right. He hit a big home run, and Gomes hit a big home run, right? But like they're they're not in that without Bellinger's power, right? Like Gomes big hit, but Bellinger got them back in that game and made it feel like it was possible to have a chance. Um, it just doesn't like they they haven't had that it, it's it's taken these dinks and dunks innings uh like think back to sunday in uh, against uh cleveland like that that ninth inning was insane like that that's not that doesn't happen you, you had multiple infield singles that were probably errors uh, like that's just that's more luck based randomness of baseball than than like Look at this team. They like they got real like hitters on there. Look at the offense turning things around. It was just things worked out their way there. So you need guys that can put it in the gap and put it in the seats. And Bellinger is that guy. Uh, like I said, you just have to. Is it is it happening too late? Uh, either way, if he's hitting like this, it's going to work out really well for the Cubs. I know Cubs fans don't want to hear that, but at the trade deadline, a center fielder that can hit a bunch of homers and is a former MVP. I, listen, I know rentals don't always get you a ton, but that's the type of guy you can get a piece like Pete Crow Armstrong or Kevin Alcantara. Like, it, it may not be a top 100 prospect right now, but I talked to some scouts over the past week, and and that's the guy they point to over Stroman as as a guy that can get you a, a big return. If this team – they also were like, what the hell are the Cubs doing? <laughs> like – should I be scouting them or should I not? And I was like, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> well, it is. I think that is part of the evaluation that is less like there's not like a magic number that the team has to hit. Obviously, they need to be closer to 500 than they are now. But if you can talk yourself into, hey, Stroman, you know, just gave us two great starts here in late July. You know, we can ride on him if Bellinger is that guy that can carry you in the second half. Great. Uh, but I also think it's looking at this team objectively and dispassionately of like, you know, if you're in Jed's office, like, okay, your, your corner outfielders don't really hit home runs and your corner infielders don't really give you much offensive production. And your designated hitter group is like one of the worst in the majors. Like there's not a whole lot of thump there, but I, I Brett, I liked your point of like 2017 as like a historical reference point of you know how they came out of the gate what Theo hoped to do with the Quintana trade how the prospect of selling was still there if things had gone sideways and you know I thought back to 2019 and you know acquiring Nick Castellanos and that that took Tom Ricketts intervening and saying like this team needs a spark 
like, here's the money. Let's get this across the finish line. And obviously that team uh, totally collapsed. But it was, you know, it was a team that started July. Yeah, I mean, July they were 45 and 40. And then, you know, around the deadline, it was like 57 and 50, which obviously looks really good now. But, you know, they were in a tight rate. It wasn't like a group that, like, things weren't, like, totally clicking. And, you know, there was a nod from ownership being like, let's, like, let's see what we can do here. And the Cubs are obviously not going to be seven games over 500 when this deadline comes and goes. But I still think there's something there of like, you kind of have to make a call that is sometimes not, um, you know, totally obvious that there, there is going to be some gray area here with, with all of this. Like even, you know, there's, it's just, it's just not that straightforward of a decision. And, and I do think it'll be fascinating to see like, you know, where the Cubs fall on this, like, because they're going to have to, you know, even not making a decision is, is a decision here that'll be like super revealing about what the organization really thinks about, you know, their talent and, and their uh, future plans. And the Cubs aren't special in this, but it's certainly true for them. Their current situation is one that would benefit greatly from an early move. You know, they, they would really, if they found that bat, you know, if Jamer Candelario, who is available now, that would impact them more than most other teams in this situation right now. I don't know that it's going to happen. There's a lot of barriers to getting early deals done. Um, and the price tag, it you know would make Cubs fans squeamish. But that's the situation they're in right now where it could make a much bigger difference to them at this moment than a lot of other teams. So that too will be something to watch in the near term. I'm sure those conversations... Uh, are being had uh, I think generally this front office prefers to get as much information as possible and wait as long as possible before any decision is made and I think that's more likely what we're gonna um, look for to happen from this group but I just I wanted to slide that in there that there's this this situation for this Cubs team in this season earlier moves would uh, be more impactful than usual um this is on to Waveland. It's Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. Uh, today is Thursday. Cubs are playing the Red Sox at Wrigley Field this weekend starting tomorrow. And we will be back at you with our next episode early next week. So you take care and have a great weekend. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.